0: Welcome back to Straight to DVD. We are back once again with our Tarantino trilogy of episodes. This is part two where we will be talking about Kill Bill, both volumes, Death Proof, and Inglorious Bastards. Woo. Woo indeed, Raph. Can I get a Ric Flair woo? Woo! The Nature Boy. <laughs> Ta- there we go. Quentin Tarantino, The Nature Boy. The Nature boy. boy. Probably, as I was saying before we started recording, my favorite of his films. Yes. This chunk. Very excited to talk about it. Love these movies. So rewatchable. It's a great chunk. It is a great chunk. What's in it again? Remind the audience. We got Kill Bill, Volume 1 and Volume 2, which okay. he cons- which he considers to be one movie, even okay. though they're technically separate, mm-hmm. separate films. We got Death Proof. Hell yeah. Which was part of the Grindhouse double feature. Yes. With Rodriguez. Robbie yes. Rodriguez. Yes. And we got Inglorious Bastards. Wonderful. His war movie. Yes. I've also heard
1: some people say that he... Uh, he says he has nine movies and he doesn't consider... He doesn't like to consider Death Proof because it's his least favorite movie that he's made. Mm-hmm. And, he, and then he'll split out Kill Bill, Volume 1 and Volume 2. But I think for our purposes,
0: we're going to... We're going to talk about
1: Kill Bill as, as one movie.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure when we get into our third and final episode, we can discuss how wrong he is about Death Proof being his worst movie. Oh, Yes, we can. Yeah. Because I love Death Proof. I really do. Death Proof is a am- Should we start with Death Proof? I'm kind of down to start with Death Proof. I mean, we're going chronologically, but I don't care. Death Proof is... Let's let's just dive into Death Proof. Dive, dive into in. Death Proof. I fucking love Death Proof. It's just like such a weird, bizarre film. Like, the whole premise of the movie is it's about this ex-stuntman... Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike. Who the hell is Stuntman Mike? He's a stuntman. Yeah. <laughs> It's just this weird movie about him, and he's a psycho, and he gets sexual pleasure out of murdering women with his car. It's amazing. That's the movie. <laughs> it's amazing.
1: But it's broken into like these two halves, right? So we get right. the first right. half in, in Austin, Texas, um, with the original group of girls, and you mm-hmm. kind of think that that's going to be the whole movie. Um, and he kills them like right. halfway halfway through. through halfway through. And we're like, all right, well, where, where the fuck is the movie going to go from here? Right. And then we got the second half, which takes place in, in Lebanon, Tennessee. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. hmm And he's chasing after another group of girls. Right. Including his good friend, Zoe Bell. That's right. Quentin Tarantino's good friend, Zoe Bell.
0: Right. Well, it, you know, the, the whole movie is kind of like a love letter to live-action stunts, particularly mm-hmm. car chases. And so... It's sort of like the, the film is like a love letter to Zoe and like the hi, the entire final act of the film is like, oh, let's showcase Zoe's talents yeah. riding on the hood of this car. <laughs> it's, am- it's amazing. It's really unbelievable. It's so um, cool.
1: Do you have a half that you like better?
0: I like the first half I love better. the first half. Um, Because, you know, it's this weird, creepy, slow burn in the bar. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, who are these people? Who is Kurt Russell? And you're like, shit is like gonna hit the fan. Like he seems yeah. like a creep. I'm just the way he's like eating nachos. <laughs> that na- dude, that nacho scene. The nacho scene is amazing. Every- more, more
1: of Tarantino mm-hmm. just bringing in food. More, kind food. of unnecessarily, but you know, it's it just like, it like essentially
0: serves a purpose. Nacho cheese, like all, but yeah. like close-ups <laughs> of him licking his fingers and shit. It's amazing. It is. Every time it's I watch so that good. scene, I like want a nacho platter. I also love
1: how the first half is set up and like they add that like after effect of like giving it like a super like grainy feel oh, there are yeah, a bunch yeah. of like purposeful like shitty edits and like terrible like sound mixing that they do mm-hmm. just to like make it feel like a like
0: a 70s like horror flick that yeah. you would go see at like a drive-in right it's it, it it's incredible it is it's unbelievable and you know as you're building up this bar scene and he starts interacting with uh uh i can't remember the character's name i believe it's pam right the blonde who he meets at the bar yes that's her name pam um, and he's like going to give her a ride home and you're like, Oh shit's about to hit the fan. And like, he knows that, you know, that shit's about to hit the fan and she gets in the car and Kurt Russell looks at the camera and smiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's, good. It's unbelievable. Um, and I, I, I adore that line where he's like, you going left or are you going right? And she's like, I'm going right. And he's like, ah, <laughs> you see, we're both going left. You're going to have to get scared <laughs> immediately. immediately. It's so, so good. It is. It's unbelievable. Also, I was wondering while I was rewatching it, is Kurt Russell doing a weird like John Wayne impression? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I believe Tarantino asked him asked him yeah. to do that.
1: You know, some people say
0: you're no good in my book. I can't yeah, do a John yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it just so happens I actually have a book. <laughs> and you're going in the book, Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> <Bill> <laughs> no good in my book, Pilgrim. God, yeah, how it leads into that uh, that lap dance scene. Yeah. I love that song, Honky Tonk, Down in Mexico. Yeah. Um, but as we were talking about in the last episode, how he, his writing process, and he sort of starts, I think, conceptually with a, a song, and mm-hmm. he builds a scene around the song, and then he builds the movie around a scene, I'm fairly certain it was that song in that scene yeah. where this woman is giving Kurt Russell a lap dance uh, in the bar to Down in Mexico, uh, and sort of how that connects to uh, the rest of the film. Uh, but it doesn't connect to the second half of the film. No. Well, that's... Yeah, that is the weird thing about, about this movie, right? Is that the first half, he's sort of stalking this group of women. mm mm-hmm. um, And, like, the entire bar scene is almost like foreplay for him. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he gets Pam into his car and he, like, kills her by, like, just spinning his car around and she's... <laughs> And uh, she's like banging her head oh, on, yeah. the, on the wall. Because the car move. is only
1: death proof. You really got to be sitting
0: <laughs> in my seat. Yeah. <laughs> Pilgrim.
1: Pilgrim. <laughs> and then immediately after that, he goes and
0: kills the rest of the girls. Yeah. In what is one of my favorite. Tarantino death scenes oh my god what right when it cuts back to each of them individually each of them individually and and the last the last woman
1: who who gave uh, Stuntman Mike the lap dance just gets a tire to the face it just
0: like like (laughs) warps her body yeah oh my god it's amazing and like yeah and there's like the close up of Jungle Julia's leg hanging out the window and the impact forces the the window of the door to sever her leg off it's amazing Tarantino's just like oh yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's see that leg fly. <laughs> <laughs> we damn. we get a lot of uh, creepy shots of, of uh,
1: Jungle Julius' legs and feet yeah. in the first half. Yes, we sure do. Yeah. It, it's also kind of weird, um, you know, just seeing Tarantino write female characters. Because you can tell he wants them to be, like, super badass and awesome. But at the same time has, like, no idea how to write for female characters. And, right. Like Half of their conversations are just about, like, hooking up with dudes right um
0: but I mean you know I guess we'll give him a pass because he's trying he is trying you can you can really tell that he's trying which yeah. I think is the problem yeah it doesn't feel natural it's just like yeah. oh this is uh, how Quentin Tarantino scenes women, women. <laughs> right um but you know speak, speaking of how the film is sort of cut in half like you, you have the first half where he's stalking the first group of girls and the second half how he's stalking the second group of girls and Rosaria Dawson and, and, and Zoe Bell um the The middle of the film is sort of the det- the the two cops and uh, figuring out like why this happened and what yeah. is and like they can't pin it on him. Yeah. Um, that actor Michael Park, who plays the uh, the sheriff, mm-hmm. he's the same character as the sheriff in Kill Bill, what? Who discovers uh, Uma Thurman's supposedly dead body uh, yeah. in the chapel? I think it's same also character.
1: the same character from
0: uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, the the sheriff. Yes, I yeah. believe that's I believe that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Because it takes place uh, in Texas. Yeah, they all take place all in take Texas. Place
1: in Texas. Also, I feel like Tarantino has a weird obsession with you know his his home state of Tennessee, the city of Austin, Texas, and the city of Los Angeles, and it's kind of cool that all of his movies kind of like move around like these three places and only take place like. In those three spots, Mm-hmm. and then in Death Proof, obviously we're we're getting Austin, Texas, and and uh, and Tennessee. Right, but you want to talk a little bit more about Tennessee? Uh, sure. And how the first so the first half, as we said, is like kind of set up like this like seventy slasher movie that you would go see at a drive-in, and the second half is sort of set up as this like muscle car movie where it's mm-hmm. just like I think the 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 final chase or like fight is like 30 or 40 minutes it is it of goes just them on like, and on <laughs> of just them driving down the highway smashing their cars into each other with this like amazing music in the background yeah oh god it's
0: so good and it's like and it's all practical effects like you yeah. are real real stunt stunt guys and gals yeah Mike. yeah right yeah and and zoe bell and zoe bell yeah god. those are stunt people yeah but yeah it's amazing it is it's unbelievable well uh you know how the, the second half starts with, like, more gross feet-isms. Rosario yeah. Dawson sleeping in the back of her car and Kurt Russell walks by and, like, licks the bottom of her feet. Yeah. And then, like, tosses his keys to the ground pretending, like, where are my keys? There yeah. they
1: are! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was weird. That guy just, like, accidentally hit my
0: foot when he walked by. Yeah. And thinks nothing of it. And, and then my... she, like, takes a sip of the Red Bull and the black and white goes to color. It's like, now she's awake! Yeah. That was... Yeah. The black and white part, we didn't... We yeah need. Well, film, I guess we needed some film sort of, style
1: some sort of transition from the the grainy feel of the second half to uh to
0: whatever the feel is in the second half right it does feel like sort of like two two drafts of the same story like stitched together yeah. it's just like oh he's the stuntman mike has clearly done this to women a lot and the first half is like oh this is when it goes the way he wants it to, and then the yeah. second half is when it's like, oh no, he's dealing with Zoe Bell <laughs> this time. And they smash his fucking head in at the end. Oh after my they god, catch him. dude, it's amazing. I love, I love how how like uh, juvenile and like weak Kurt Russell feels in the second half when they're like, <laughs> like, like ramming him and beating the shit out of him. They he, like, you, like clip him with the gun in his arm. And yeah, he's, he's, like, like, he's like screaming. Like, Oh, why? Yeah. It's amazing. He, he pours whiskey on his arm. He's like, Dah! I can't do this. He's like screaming and crying. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. It's so good. It's so good. God, yeah, and then they ram him and like the car flips like right towards the end and he's like hanging out the car and he's like, yeah. Oh,
1: my leg is broken. like, ca- Yeah, be
0: careful. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's so good, and then we get that that freeze frame, and it says the end, Yeah, (laughs) and then the end goes away, and it just cuts back into the action, and they
0: smash his head in. It's just, like, it's such an absurd movie. I believe she goes, hi-yah, and then, then like, like, heals his face into the ground. But it's such an absurd
1: movie, and, like, it's it's so, it's not dumb, but it's just, like, so silly, and, like, that's why it's so amazing. Yeah. I, I don't understand why he doesn't like it as one of his
0: movies, because it's... It's got him written all over it. Yeah, and I think it's effective and like I, yeah, and like funny and and creepy and weird and yeah. the dialogue is great, and it's shot really well and like the fucking car sequences are so good. They're amazing. Yeah. Speaking of shooting really well, there is that there's that
1: uh, diner scene in the second half where the girls are all sitting around the table and it's like <gasps> it's Dude, like four yes. or five, it's like four or five minutes of just the same shot just circling, circling around them. them having
0: a conversation. While eating breakfast, and it's incredible. In the background, Kurt Russell is sitting there. Dude, I never noticed that eavesdropping on them. That's amazing. it's not emphasized at all. But yeah. every time uh, it cuts around, you just see him with his back to them, yeah. like at the diner, oh, and he's man. eating. And then, like he looks back, and he like pays his check, and he leaves. It only happens like twice, very briefly, but it's there.
1: I'll have to, it's... I'll have to rewatch.
0: Oh yeah, it's great. That's,
1: I mean, that scene is just like beautifully shot. Yeah, and, like, it's amazing. Amazingly executed. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know why he doesn't like it. It's I, great. I don't know either. It's great.
1: But, uh, but earlier in that second half, when they're you know outside of the the drugstore or whatever, um, Rosario Dawson, she she's you know. She's hanging out in there and she gets a phone call. And you know what her
0: ringtone is? What's her ringtone, Raf? It's the whistling tune from Kill Bill. Ah, that L driver whistles in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if we'll be able to use that
1: sound. I don't know if we have the rights is to Is it, it
0: copyrighted? That that whistling? Probably. The whistle song? Yeah. And that's by, a different by, by Wu Tang. By the Ying Yang Twins? Oh, the Ying Yang Twins. Yeah. I'm I'm not that familiar with the uh, Cool. With, with
1: the the, the whistle <laughs> song was supposed to be a way for us to, to transition, transition into, kill Bill, into kill, Bill, Bill. kill Bill. And I brought up Wu Tang. Yeah, it was not it was though. not really. <laughs> Although the RZA did do the music for for Kill Bill. So there oh, you go. Kill there Bill. Boom. There you go. Yeah, right, boom, right, right, right.
0: Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Do you want um, to talk about Volume One and Two, like as one the, one entity, or do uh, you want uh, to uh, sort uh, of split them up? What do you want? I kind of like to split them up because Let's split, I pers- split them up. I personally split them think
1: up. Kill Bill Volume One is. Head and Shoulders, you know, you know, uh, better than than Kill Bill Volume Two. Mm-hmm. I think Kill Bill Volume Two kind of sucks and mm-hmm. it kind of drags. And there's nothing really memorable in it besides the the pie may scenes. Right. Um, right. But after you re, after rewatching that, realizing that those pie may scenes are super short, right, and really only serve
0: the purpose of letting us know that Uma Thurman can punch through wood, and- which you need to know for what for- Michael Madsen does to her. Yeah. Uh, after he catches shoots her in the chest with buckshot.
1: Yeah. 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 The first the first time or the first couple of times I saw that movie, I always had issues with her kind of getting out of the, the grave and being buried alive. Like, okay, yeah, so she punches through the coffin, but then how does she get out of the dirt? But then when you watch like, like both of these movies and you realize like everything that's happened to her, like the fact that she's been shot with a shotgun and like slashed with samurai swords and right. literally shot in the fucking head and doesn't die I think getting buried alive is like okay to throw in uh, no too. absolutely
0: he he definitely sets up early on in volume one that the uh, the action and the violence are extremely surreal and heightened yeah. uh, and that like oh you know this is like it's almost like a movie within a movie kind of thing where it's yeah. like it's so over the top and ridiculous uh, Let's well, buy into it a, apparently
1: there are theories out there that, that you know Kill Bill exists as a movie within the Tarantino universe so like characters from Reservoir Dogs and, and Pulp Fiction you know when they go to the movies on the big screen is right. what we're seeing in Kill Bill right they would go to the movies and yeah. watch Kill Bill but right. then would they also watch Death Proof or you know is that ringtone in Death Proof from someone who's seen a movie like Kill Bill Right. Likes it so much that they use right. the whistling tune. I think, if anything, as that, their
0: that probably makes the most sense as the implication. But then, you how know.
1: do you explain the crossover with the, uh, with with the Texas Ranger, Michael Parks and his son being oh, in both that's Kill a, Bill and Death Proof?
0: That's a good point. All these theories are falling through the cracks. That's and right. Quentin Tarantino is a hack. Absolutely, he has no idea what he's doing. No, never, not once. <laughs> he's gotten lucky nine times. Yeah. He's gotten lucky like eight and a half times. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, But yeah, like, uh, unlike Death Proof and unlike Jackie Brown, but like Pulp Fiction and like Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, at least volume one, is told non linearly. Not in chronological order. Uh, We jump around. The first scene. So essentially, Kill Bill, both films, are a classic revenge story. Yeah. Just a revenge story. Do you have to tell people what Kill Bill is about? I feel like if they don't know it, then. Yeah, well, if you didn't know, it's it's not a comedy. It's a revenge story. It's not a rom-com. <laughs> it's not a rom-com. It's a documentary. <laughs> it's not a documentary. It's not. It's a revenge documentary. Oh,
1: about the bride.
0: Yeah. Whatever. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's based on Uma Thurman's real life. Let's talk uh, about it. So, yeah, you know, the film opens with uh, the second person on her hit list, Vanita mm-hmm. Green. Yeah. Why does the black person have to die first? It's a good question. I think he just wanted to open the scene. Open, open the, the movie. Open the scene. Open the movie. <laughs> with a cool fight scene. With a cool fight scene, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of build up to her getting to Oren Ishii. Yes. Played by Lucy Liu. Yes. Um, and I think probably he wanted to start the movie off with this awesome knife fight. Yeah. Uh, in the kitchen. It's in great. The living room. It
1: is great. Did you notice the cereal box that she's holding? No. What it says it say? kaboom. And she shoots the gun through the cereal. Uh, you cheeky bastard! Girl, <laughs> Come maybe,
0: on! maybe you're not as much of a hack as we thought. Yeah, you brought us right uh, back. Oh, uh-huh. you scoundrel. Um, but you'd think that someone who's an incredible assassin like Vernita Green maybe wouldn't miss. Yeah. But I don't know if her skill is... Uh, oh, right. Is guns. right. She's the Right, she's the knife lady. Yeah. 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 Which I should have been motherfucking Black Mamba. Another cross
1: reference between Tarantino movies. We're gonna jump back to Pulp Fiction for a hot yep, second. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, most of you know who have seen Pulp Fiction. There's a scene in the di- diner where Mia Wallace is talking about a pilot for a TV show that she shot. Ah. Uh, called uh, what's it called? Fox Force Five. Fox Force Five. Yep. Because they're all foxes and there's five of them and mm-hmm. each of them have a different sp- specialty. Um and. It seems like the the five, the Venom Five, the Venom Sniper, the, the gang, Deadly Viper, the Deadly assassination Viper Assassination Squad. Yeah, it seems like they're kind of based off of, you know, the the Fox Force Five right. that we're first introduced to in in Pulp Fiction. You know, mm-hmm. each of them they have their different specialties. Um, you know, she talks about there being like a blonde woman and a brunette and an right. Asian woman and a black girl. Right, and they all have and Michael Madsen and Michael Madsen. He's a foxy lady. <laughs> So when you think of a foxy woman, the first thing you think of is uh, is a pudgy or Michael
0: Madsen. Absolutely, yeah. sitting in a trailer, dipping. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Oh god! And uh. t- when she grabs the the pot of dip and throws it on L. Driver's face, Ugh. it's disgusting.
1: Or when uh, Michael Madsen's character spits his dip onto Uma
0: Thurman's <laughs> face. <clears throat> I wonder if that was Tarantino that did that. It probably was Tarantino. Actually, well, yeah, because there's a scene there's a, you know. He's 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 renowned for uh, for having his hands around Diane Kruger's yeah. throat and in Inglorious Bastards as well as being needing to be the one to spit on Uma's face yeah. to get the reaction he wants. It's a little weird. It's super weird. Yeah. But I mean, is it any surprise to us that this
1: dude needs at, to do weird shit? At this point, no. Um I do want to talk a little bit about the uh, the build up to 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 Oren. Yeah. Uh there's that incredible anime sequence about her parents yes. getting killed. Yes!
0: Let's talk about that that bit. It's so... It, <laughs> Do you think so, he ever intended for that to be live action, or did he just want that sequence to be... I mean, I wish I wish I could
1: give you an answer
0: on that, um, but doing it in, in
1: anime is... I don't want to say so much more effective, but it just, like, it looks so fucking cool. And, like, the way that he depicts the violence in those scenes, like, so can boring. only be done in anime and it has this like dope like i was i was re-watching it and i think the the most incredible thing about these anime scenes is that it has this dope 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 spaghetti western soundtrack mm-hmm. and like the two should just like not pair up at all like who's like all right we're gonna have in a live action revenge flick about americans we're gonna do an anime cutaway and the
0: soundtrack will be spaghetti western music
1: and like that shouldn't work
0: no it shouldn't at all
1: and it's fucking amazing
0: yeah it's fucking incredible it is it's unbelievable um, but, you know, you, you, you mentioned that point of, oh, this, this level of violence in that flashback sequence where, like, blood is shooting out of people's chests. And, and kneecaps. And, and kneecaps, and, and people are getting their head blown off. Could only be done in, in uh, an anime style. It makes a lot of sense because in the, the big fight scene towards the end, as she's fighting to get to Oren, the crazy 88 scene, um, it's mostly in black and white. Until she eliminates most of them and then she blinks and then it's in color. Do you know why it's in black and white? Because the blood was too much. Exactly. was gonna be rated X. It was gonna be rated N C seventeen. Not X. Not X. No, no, no. Is X only if you have gongs? Full penetration, I think, is 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 what X is for. But a little bit of blood. Actually I don't even know I I don't know if rated X is still a thing. I think it is just N C seventeen. Interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure N C seventeen is a new one. Okay. Yeah, like you have to be seventeen to even see the film. Yeah. Whereas, like, if something's rated R, you can be accompanied by a parent and you're allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> or a guardian. Or a guardian. Right, 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 right. So it was going to be NC-17 if they didn't if, make that black. Right, because there was so much blood and gore, and that's and so many limbs being lobbed off. And yeah. But I mean, it's super effective just in terms of like the whole style of the fight. Oh, absolutely. And we can go on about that fight for ages. I could go on. For crazy eighty-eight minutes about that fight. Don't
1: don't say that.
0: No. No. That not that didn't no. land. No, it didn't land. No, that was
1: a bad joke. Man. Oh. Yeah. So the, I mean that anime scene. I mean it got me thinking kind of just like about like Tarantino as a whole and like we mentioned in the last episode how he's kind of this master of the pastiche, and this movie you know Kill Bill if you if you're looking at it as one with Volume One and Volume Two, it he's bringing in all these different elements from different types of movies, and. Really, none of them should be pairing up well with each other, but they somehow do. You know, he's bringing in aspects of anime, aspects of samurai movies from, mm-hmm. like, the 50s and 60s. He's bringing in, like, the the, the Shaw Brothers kung fu movies of right. the 70s. And even having, like, actors like, uh, what's his name? Sonny Sunny Chibu or Sonny Sunny Choba? Sunny, yes, that's right. Sonny Choba mm-hmm. from, uh, from all those Japanese movies. Uh, Gordon Liu... Uh, from all the you know kung Fu movies out of like Hong Kong in the 70s. He's bringing in like elements of spaghetti westerns and like elements from like even like the the, the, the not monster movies, the like the elements of the muscle car movies that, that he likes that are like big and, and death proof. And like I feel like this movie is just like him like at his height of just like bringing like being a master of the pastiche. and it's like Absolutely. none of it should work at all. But it's all like sewed together so brilliantly, and it's probably like his coolest movie.
0: It, it, absolutely, it's like it's such a, a weird blend of all these styles, um, and they all work so well together. When, as you said, they they really shouldn't, um, and like such a huge chunk of the movie too. It's it's almost like a it's almost like a samurai. It's like it's like it's almost pornographic, yeah. And it's sam samurai elements, just like the whole scene of Hattori Hanzo like making the sword yeah. or just, and just like the way he shoots the sword and just the way the sword sounds and the way yeah. the sword looks and all the, the hundreds of swords that he has on his wall for sentimental value. Like they yeah. all look amazing. Like yeah. they're all so well designed. The steel looks fantastic. And, uh, and I believe the, the, you never see David Carradine who plays Bill, mm-hmm. you never see his face in volume one. You just no, hear, you, you hear his, his voice, voice. Or, and you see him playing with his own Hattori Hanzo's uh, sword. Yeah. he's like pulling it up and down, just yeah. almost like he's like jerking himself off. Yeah, but with which is sword. like
1: what Tarantino does whenever he's writing, right?
0: Exactly, his movies. or doing anything, really. or <laughs> anything, or and, shooting one of his own movies. Right. But yeah, man. I mean, Kill Bill
1: is just like this, like amazing blending of all these different styles of movie making mm-hmm, into this mm-hmm. like kind of a masterpiece. Like it, it's probably up there
0: as yeah. one of his best movies. Although, definitely, I personally believe that. Volume 2 falls a little flat Mm -hmm. for the most part. Well, I was just about to say, you know, the weird thing about volume... You know, so much of volume 1, like we were just saying, is like this crazy mix-mash of stylistic things that you forget that, like, oh, she's, like... She's just trying to get to Bill. She just wants revenge on Bill. And she, like, barely gets halfway there in volume 1. And that then requires that volume 2 be more Mm plot-heavy... So it's like it it it's not nearly as as action intense as uh, volume one is. Like there's a very like the whole uh, uh, Michael Madsen, uh, Daryl Hannah uh, bit, which are the next two people on her list, which she has to deal with in volume two. Those both sort of get wrapped up at the same time. Like she doesn't even yeah. kill Michael Madsen. Like Daryl Hannah is the one who. kills. She also doesn't kill Daryl Hannah. Right. That's right. She leaves. She leaves, just, her. She she leaves, leaves her, her in the, With oh, no eyes. Volume three. <laughs> she'll be back. Um, And so that sort of all wraps up at the same time in Texas.
1: Yeah. uh, In his trailer. And then we get like 50 minutes of just her and Bill.
0: Yes. That, that when she goes to like confront him and finds out that her daughter is still alive... You know, she yeah. like there's this that you you expect her to immediately start fighting with him. Yeah, but she can't cause because the daughter is there. the daughter's daughter is there, little Bibi, and, BB he, is and there. he knows that, right, little yeah. Bibi. Um, and so there's this very very slow buildup to her putting her to bed, and then yeah, going down the steps and joining him at the bar, and they have a conversation. She he shoots her with a truth serum. Yeah, <laughs> that conversation
1: is is awful. He goes into the whole like mythology of Superman. of Superman
0: Yeah, it was it was no good I did that Superman monologue for uh, an on screen acting class once and the yeah. teacher said that she'd never seen anything worse than that and I was like well you can blame Quentin Tarantino <laughs> yeah it was all Tarantino's <laughs> fault what a hack yeah
1: what a hack
0: but um but that I think their fight is only like 20 seconds long where she's yeah. like we have unfinished business and he's like baby you ain't kidding and they yeah. both draw their Hanzo swords and just yeah. like fight on the chairs. Yeah. And then he does the five. She, she does, does the, the five, five point fight. palm. Yeah. Exploding heart yeah. technique, which yeah. I'm doing. You can't see. You but can't I'm, see. I'm but he's doing, doing it. it. I'm doing it. Not very well, but Not he's very well. doing I'm just it. Just moving my thingies. Yeah. And then
1: he takes a dramatic five steps. Yep. And then falls to the ground. drops to the ground. <laughs> yeah. And then she rides off with BB. That's right. I also feel like children should not be allowed to act in Quentin Tarantino movies. What parent th- in their right
0: mind would I- allow their kid on that set? I was about to say, you should, Quentin Tarantino should not be allowed near children. <laughs> no, not, not at <laughs> no. all. Not at all. You don't want, you no, want your God. child around that? Uh, how, that how, how old is your kid? Uh, eight years old? I'd really like to get a close-up of uh, their little thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a close-up shot of your daughter, <laughs> your eight-year-old daughter's feet? No, you fucking creep. Absolutely. Get the fuck away from me. How, wait, how much are you going to pay her? Okay, maybe one shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming for one day of shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, we also, we were ta- before we started recording, we were talking about how uh, there is a version of the two films called The Whole Bloody Affair, mm-hmm. which is volume one and volume two cut together chronologically. Oh. as one, like, four-hour and 45-minute film. Yeah. Um, and there's no theatrical release of that, that you can't find that streaming or on DVD or anywhere. Tarantino's the only one who has it. The only way to see it is if you're at or near Tarantino's own personal movie theater, which I believe is in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Probably Austin, Texas. Yeah, I believe it is. And he does a screening of it every once in a while, and it's a private invite only to see it. And it's apparently, like, the best version of the two films What a creep. Together. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that dude. Yeah, like what do I mean I'll send I'll send him photos of my feet to get an invite. I'll send him photos of my feet my, too. My big hairy hobbit feet. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of these, Quentin? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> call him Clinton? Clinton Tarantino.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's that's good stuff. That's yeah, good dude. stuff. Another uh, fun Quentin Tarantino movie uh, theory. Yeah. Um, Sam Jackson as the piano player in the church. That's the right. Royal Wedding is being held. A lot of people think that that is Jules Winnebago. Really? Yeah. After he, uh, After he retires. decides to retire and go
0: off, you know, finding himself. That's interesting. I didn't know that that was, uh, that was considered, uh, yeah. Jules. But that is interesting. I think it's bogus. Yeah. I mean, I believe his character name is Felix, and I think it says... It's Rufus. Rufus. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus Wainwright. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's, you know, he's just
1: like, he's just like Beatrix Kiddo, you know? Yeah, he'll still be Jules when he wakes up. He'll yeah. still be
0: Superman. Right. It's yeah. a fucking stupid analogy. That is a pretty dumb analogy.
1: I hated that. Yeah.
0: Although I gotta say, David Carradine acts the fuck out of that part. Really? I didn't. You don't like David? Oh, dude, I love David. He just chews on the scenery, dude. Yeah, I didn't love it. No. Yeah. Ah, but uh, I don't know. I'm uh, not a. I'm not an actor like like not, you. Not so. a David. <laughs> not David Carradine fan. Yeah. Rest in peace, David Carradine. who died due to autoerotic asphyxiation in his yeah. closet. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Okay. He's probably spending too much time with
1: Tarantino. That's what he got. Yeah, this, so.
0: that's, well, that's why Tarantino hired him. He's just like, oh, really? You can't get it up unless you're choking? Yeah. You're in my movie.
1: You're in my movie. You're <laughs> into weird, freaky sex shit, too? All right, brother, let's work together. All right, should we talk about Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Perfect segue. <Yeah. laughs> Yikes.
0: We could not have gotten off that topic any no, quicker. No, absolutely. This, Raphael, Yes. is probably my favorite I think from. it's
1: my favorite, too. I think... I think it's his masterpiece. Yes. And obviously it ends with, with him, that cheeky yep. line of Brad Pitt saying, you know what? I think this just might be my masterpiece. Yes. And that's Quentin Tarantino telling us? Right. This movie... Just might be his yeah, masterpiece. masterpiece. <laughs> and it, it probably is! <laughs> um, it's an amazing movie from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suffer from, you know... The same thing that those other Tarantino movies suffer from, where you feel like there's a little too much fat on it that could be trimmed away. Um, Every scene, you know, kind of serves a
0: purpose to get us to
1: the to the next place. It is
0: extremely streamlined in terms of like what story it's trying to tell. Well, it's what's interesting about the film is is that when the when the marketing for it was first put out and I first saw trailers for it and when I went to see it in theaters, I really thought it was just marketed as this like guerrilla warfare movie of just oh, like of a, just about the bastards just about the bastards like running yeah. around uh, France just murdering Nazis yeah but it's really not like there's almost sort of the backdrop yeah to the film yeah they're kind of like a they're kind of like a secondary character right like uh, Hans Landa played by Christoph Waltz who yeah. won an Oscar probably Tarantino's it.
1: best character
0: I, I would agree well I think maybe Jules yeah I, w- I would say possibly but i th- i think the success of the character is largely due to Waltz, dude He's yeah. just like fucking unbelievable amazing in the part um but like he's almost the main character of yeah. the film and then the film is mo- sort of basically just the plot of Shoshana yeah like trying to get revenge it's another yeah. reve- revenge flick yeah um on uh you know the entire third Reich yeah uh and you know we were talking earlier about him trying to write badass female characters i think yeah. this is you know beatrix kiddo uh, is is a great badass like strong female character, but I think with Shoshana, she's he, more grounded. Absolutely, she's not as over the top. You know, getting shot in the head and chest, and right? Things right? Like absolutely, that. and like her plan is fucking devious and brilliant yeah, and, and just like nuts. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's great, but you know, for for being like a a a war film about murdering Nazis it's hilarious it's so funny it is hysterical it's so funny you don't really I guess he kind of tells us like early on
1: how funny it's going to be I I always think back to uh, whenever I rewatch it that that opening scene that is like insanely tense and he's just like building all of this tension between uh between the the French I would say maybe the best scene he's ever written it's probably the best scene he's ever written one of the best scenes he's ever shot like the lighting is like incredibly beautiful And, um, like the whole way it it just kind of keeps building, uh, with these two men talking to each other. And then at one point, Hans Lund is like, do you care if I take out my pipe? And he takes out of his jacket pocket, this like insanely comically large (laughs) tobacco (laughs) pipe to smoke out of. And you kind of like, it's kind of like, it's jarring at first. Like, wait, I thought this was like a serious war movie. Right. And he's kind of like letting you know, like, no, this is going to be like a ridiculous movie Mm -hmm. that like is... In a sense, a war movie, but at the end of the day, it's a Tarantino movie, and it's still going to be like insanely over
0: the top and, and wild. Right, right. And it's sim- it's almost similar to that burger scene where it's like he's using this this you know in, in that scene in Pulp Fiction with the burger, it's like a a piece of food, and then this it's like a like a, a prop, but he's using it as a way to dictate like. The, the 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 status of the character yeah. and that like Hansand is clearly the one yeah uh, in control here yeah <laughs> with his with his sub- giant fucking body <laughs> it, it, it's so good it's so absurd it's well and the there's most- all you know there's also the uh, um, the bit where he's uh, he drinks the milk mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Monsieur Lapidite's lovely daughters yeah. serve him and he's just like to you and to your cows i, like, I say bravo yeah. and it's like he's like almost suggesting that like his daughters are the cows yeah. like really like putting yeah. a zinger to to yeah. um but uh it's just like and and the because the way it's constructed is you don't you think it, you know oh maybe they're the you know the the jewish folks hiding under the floorboards won't be discovered yeah. and then like the way he he turns it with the character yeah. Where it's like oh he knew they were there the, 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 the whole entire time, time. yeah the whole time. and
1: even like something small like throwing in the bit where they switch from from French to English so that you know they can have the full conversation without the French Jews in the in the basement. Right? Can I say French Jews in the basement? You Just did. I feel like French French. What Jews, what a sentence. French, French Jews, Jews in, in the, the basement. basement. It, it it sounded uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it felt uncomfortable yeah. saying that. But so that the French Jews in the basement, like I was saying, <laughs> so that they don't know what the two men are talking about, and then right. he switches back to French mm-hmm. once he he. Uh, he has Mr. Lippe-de-be. <laughs> Once he has Mr. Lippe-de-be confess yep. that there are French Jews in the basement and then he switches back to French and then his Nazis come in and light up the
0: place. Absolutely. Well, it's, gr- it's great because it's a plot thing that yeah. Hans Lund is trying to do and it also serves an American audience because it's just yeah. like, oh, great, now I can watch a scene in English Yeah. because I, I can't read.
1: The, w- the way that Tarantino in this movie uh like seamlessly flows between languages without it like taking away from the story and also like kind of like helping the story like go mm-hmm. along is like pretty amazing. Like in that bar scene when they're speaking in German and, and Fassbender then requests, you know, well, well, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out speaking the Kings. Right. And he switches back to English. Damn good stuff, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's just like, it's just like a cool little, I don't know,
0: It's just a cool little feature that he, that he Absolutely. throws in. Well, and, like, how incredible it is that Christoph Waltz speaks four languages fluently in the film. He speaks Italian, French, uh, German, and English. Dominique
1: oh. de Coco. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, that's well, that's probably the funniest
1: scene oh, Tarantino's man. ever written. Oh, it's hysterical. It uh, Just having them say those ridiculous Italian names.
0: Antonio Margareti <laughs> Gorlami.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt's terrible, God. terrible Italian. It It's do I, I don't speak Italian. Like I said, third best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, Aldo, Aldo Rain is another hysterical character.
0: Absolutely. Just so he's like really... He's like a side character, too. It's like what we were saying. It's yeah. It's like not even the main character. Who would you say is like the main character movie? Do you think it's Londa? Or I think Shoshana? I think it's Shoshana. Yeah. It's kind of like a battle she, between she does tie. She does tie it all together.
1: Yeah. The bastards are just kind of... They just happen to be there. Right. Like it... They really serve, they serve like pretty little purpose. Yeah, they're not
0: I mean, in that much of the movie. No,
1: we get that. No. Fir- I mean, it, it, so it's the first scene on the farm, mm-hmm. and then we get the intro to the bastards, and they go away for a good chunk of the movie, right? Until that bar scene, right? With Project Kino, right? Which is another great scene, just
0: like Mike Myers brilliantly
1: building up. Not not the Kino scene, the the bar scene.
0: Oh right right right. Just like
1: brilliantly brilliantly building. up You didn't up the say tension.
0: it was in a fucking basement. <laughs>
1: God, now, yeah. That's a Mexican standoff. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: uh, good, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? I think, and I'm sure a lot of people may may see this as like, oh, you're reading into the artsy, partsy nature yeah. of the film. But really, what's incredible about it is like, he's making he's making fun of us cheering and watching his own film because the whole final act of the movie is all these Nazis going to a film premiere about Nazi propaganda yeah. and they're all cheering watching this one Nazi guy murder yeah. like hundreds of American soldiers yeah. Um and they're cheering and you're like watching in disgust yeah. and then American soldiers murder the cinema full of oh, Nazis geez. and we yeah. as viewers are then cheering, are cheering. and he's like yeah. he's like this this cheeky thing he does yeah. um, is like cinema within cinema that's sort of like a wink wink like well you know
1: yeah, like we are we're we're not really any better, but you know, right. we just think we are because of the way that history was was written. Right. And if right. it were written in a different way where, you know, right, like maybe Hitler, Hitler is the got, right, you know, got murdered and come, a, come out a, on top then, yeah. you know,
0: then people would be watching Nazi war movies right. in in a different way. Right. Did, were you shocked at all about how he rewrote history in this film? Um, I wasn't necessarily shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, it all just like works within
1: the the world that he's built yeah. um like it all makes sense within the context of the movie right so i wasn't necessarily shocked i wasn't like blown away by it it just like it made sense so like right that's what right. happened just watching it just like, get his face blown off by in like the most machine. ridiculous way god it's it's so absurd
0: yeah yeah by eli roth and and omar and omar yeah what, is it, what does he say when he's... Oh, yeah, he's bringing, a Champagne? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the bottle of champagne. Yeah. And got they the shoot with the, the... The hand pistol. The hand pistol. Yeah. which is brilliant. I gotta get me one of those. It's brilliant. Yeah. Eli Roth, his... I guess it's not his first appearance. He's, he's my least favorite part of the movie, by the way. You don't like the bear Jew? I don't like his acting. Well, yeah, he's a bad actor. Yeah. But the...
1: When we're introduced to the bear Jew, in that scene in the... Uh, with a baseball bat with the baseball bat mm-hmm. and he's in the tunnel and he's and he's knocking as he's coming out in yeah. that amazing uh, what's his name Ennio Morricone yes um, like, yeah that brilliant score <laughs> from him is playing yeah and it's just like building up and building up you get that for killing Jews <laughs> bravery
0: <laughs>
1: and then he just fucking hacks away at the dude yeah. with the baseball bat it's amazing
0: Knocks it out of the park! Yeah. <laughs> Teddy fucking ball game. <laughs> yeah. Fedway's going crazy. God, yeah, you couldn't pretty, get you couldn't get a better take out of Eli Roth. It's pretty bad acting.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it was, it was our options were it probably works. either that or Tarantino himself. God,
0: I am glad Tarantino's not in that movie. <laughs> I mean, that, that's probably why it's his best movie. Absolutely, because he's not in it. Yeah, fucking heck. It's a great fucking movie, though. Amazing
1: movie, brilliant yeah. movie. I mean, there are so many just like little things about that movie that you can you know pick out and speak to uh, mm-hmm. about the greatness of it like in that same scene you know after he bashes the, the dude's brains and they're talking to the other Nazi and there's that shot of them you know trying to figure out where all the other Nazi troops are and it's just like that great like single shot of it going from Aldo Reigns' face to the map to the Nazi's face to the other dude on and right, the, and the, the interpreter, yeah, yeah the, to the interpreter's face back to Aldo Reigns' face it's just like yeah it's like such a small detail but like it's amazing. No, and it's like, great. I feel like everything in that movie is like something that you can take away from it
0: and be like, "Wow, that was that was brilliant." It's so rewatchable. It's, it's very so rewatchable. rewatchable. It's
1: so it's also just very enjoyable to watch. Mhm. Like some of his movies can feel like a drag
0: sometimes when you watch them. Right.
1: Um and there's really just not a scene in this movie that's like not enjoyable.
0: I think this Kill Bill, let's go with Kill Bill Volume 1 and Pulp Fiction are probably his holy trinity. Yeah, just like fucking incredible filmmaking. Yeah, it's great, and they're all so different. It's like crazy. Yeah, they're all so so different. And then after this, he sort of gets obsessed with With spaghetti western. Spaghetti western theme sort of runs it into the ground. But we'll get we'll we'll get to that. Talk about that in our final episode. Yeah, we even
1: talk about Hugo Stiglitz.
0: Ah, yes, amazing. Absolutely. Uh, What's his nickname? Uh, Isn't he just the Nazi killer? The Nazi killer.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Everybody in the German army's heard of Hugo Stieglitz. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> damn damn <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that Sam Jackson voiceover. It's Hugo so Stieglitz. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a great oh, cheeky man. cheeky reference to uh to the good, the bad and the ugly in that in that Hugo Stieglitz uh little piece when he's killing one of the members of the of the SS. He puts the pill over his face. Oh god, and yeah. Stands just stands Oh my god. Uh and
0: he shoves a, his fist in the other yeah, one's the mouth. other one's a mouth.
1: My there's a, there's a scene <laughs> in the good good, the bad and the ugly. Or I think it's the ugly. He puts a pill over someone's face and then shoots him. Right, right. It's a right similar right. similar kind right. of shot. Right. Just a nice cheeky little reference.
0: Um what we were discussing before about the Tarantino film the verse, whatever yes. you want to call it. Um this movie, does this technically mean that all the characters in his other films are living in a world where Hitler was murdered in a movie theater? Probably. Like, is this, is uh, *Inglorious Bastards uh, historically accurate in the universe of Tarantino's other films? Potentially. I mean, yeah. there there's not much in this movie that kind of traces it back to the
1: other ones. Right. I don't think there's any reference to, to Big Apple Tobacco or... Right, uh, right, right, right or the Big Kahuna Burger, or anything like that. There's a Big Kahuna Burger, burger in, France. in France. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: France.
1: Yeah. Just throwing a line like Aldo Rain's like, wish we could get some Big Kahuna Burger out here. I miss them fries. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything in this movie that kind of signifies that it might be part of the, the Tarantino universe as a whole, which is kind of cool, because we can just enjoy it for what it is on its own, absolutely. And we don't have to worry about like, you know, minor details that might be important to another Tarantino movie that we might have seen in the past.
0: Right, that's right. Yeah, but anyway. Au revoir, shushana Au revoir, shushana Oopsie day. What does he say? Oopsie day. fucking when he misses the shot. That's a bingo. That's you just say bingo. <laughs> So good. The Nazis' nickname for me is the little man. <laughs> great, fucking phenomenal movie. acting from B.J. No yeah, great fucking movie. All right, so uh, we got three more films to talk about. Yes, which we do. We'll tackle in our the final part three of this Tarantino episodic trilogy. The final films. part three. The final. The finale part three. Part three
1: Join us next time for Kill Bill Volume 3, the Tarantino last three movies, part (laughs) three finality of the trilogy chapter. Next time. Next time. Au revoir. Au revoir. Shoshana.
0: Shoshana.